0: God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. This week, one of the songs that I sent out was Hard Rock Choices. Oh, yeah, I love that one. I have an edited version that's like four minutes long. That's kind of the, the middle of it. But then I also have the 15-minute version of of it just coming to life at the soundcheck. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's something else. Yeah, I, I don't think people understand that. I mean, I, I, it's not that they don't understand it. It's just that we used to have a lot of fun at soundchecks. Soundchecks weren't necessarily like rehearsing songs. It was just making up songs or having fun or noodling. Or yeah. Basically just enjoying playing with a group of musicians together and, and creating and having fun. Cause when you're yeah. when you're on stage in front of a crowd, you're working. Yeah, people don't understand that. They think, oh, look at those guys; we're just having fun, money for nothing, and their chicks were free. <laughs> but really, you're up there. We're fucking working, dude. You got to remember the songs. You got to play them right. You can't hit any wrong notes. You got to look good. People don't understand that. They think we're just up there fucking around on drugs, trying to get laid.
1: And by the way, all of that's true. Period. Period. I think we, I think this is how you do a job well, is I think we make it look easy, and there is a, definitely with you with your thing. There is there is an aspect of exploration on stage that some artists don't have, where surprising things have happened on stage. But but also yeah, we're gonna hit the marks we need to hit. Make sure everyone has a good time, good show. Everyone in your bands historically have been wonderful musicians, great players, and everyone's pretty funny. So all that's happening. But yes, sound check. Is the gates wide open and really anything can happen. I I do have some memories of some soundchecks where we really were working on some stuff. But for the most part, it was we were just writing songs. Well, the other thing, too, like if we did work
0: on a song at Soundcheck, like if we had to like, oh, this is a new song. Let's work it out. Guess what? We're not playing that night. Whatever song song (laughs) we rehearsed at Soundcheck, we've done that song. We're not playing that song again. I'm tired of it.
1: At i that know point. like we worked so hard and figured it crack the code and then it's like well maybe next tour we'll we'll dig that guy back out <laughs> i will say this though after doing a tour and then coming
0: back home after a tour the band really does get tight like when you're playing night after night that's oh, how, yeah. that's how a band gets really tight absolutely that's why you see these bands who like create their music at home on their computer maybe alone and then like oh i got a record deal Oh people really like this music oh let's go on tour and you go see them and they fucking suck dude it takes years to get good at playing live absolutely people just aren't good at it naturally i mean every once in a while you have a justin bieber or something like that but they're that's a fucking that's that's a freak of nature most of the time people get good over years and years like justin timberlake Justin Timberlake wasn't Justin Timberlake when he started. He was a fucking Mouseketeer for years. He had years of of training, vocal, dance. Then he was in NSYNC for years. And then finally, he was spit out of 10 years of that. Yeah. And, you know, brought sexy back. And people are like, how's, how's this motherfucker bringing sexy back? I'll tell you, he had 10 years of fucking musketeer in sync training.
1: Yeah, and even someone like I was thinking about like who are these freaks? Like you mentioned Bieber, which is I agree with, and then you know maybe Prince and MJ. But then of course MJ unfortunately was <laughs> beaten by his dad his whole life into dance. <laughs> he he had to dance good so dad wouldn't beat him up. But yeah, it's, that's why anytime you any you take any great musician, Jimmy Page even or Bob Dylan or Tom Morello, whoever the fuck, anyone cool, you go find the video of them when they were. 18 doing that they look the way we all looked when we were 18 awkward goofy langy didn't know how to use their body had no sex appeal just it's like i saw a video of me playing guitar when i was 18 it's like i'm just standing on stage like a fucking piece of celery how about tom morello
0: being in rage against the machine one of the most exciting incredible live and recorded bands of my lifetime Going from that to then deciding that he is now going to be a lyricist folk guitar player and just churning out really what is truly
1: <laughs> turds, <laughs> just true turds. Well, before before he did that, he he was an audio slave, which I thought was also oh, no, audio, very good. Audio slave was terrible. I thought they were very good. But how old were you when Audio Slave came out? I mean, let's, I still let's think let's they're review. good. I still think they're good. But
0: how old were you when you heard Audio Slave? Because I was a full grown man, and when you're a full grown man, you listen to Audio Slave, you go, "This is
1: perfect." I will encourage you to revisit the song. Just, I'm asking you to revisit one song called "Like a Stone." Just revisit that song lyrically and and melodically. That is an amazing song. I'm a huge Chris Cornell fan. I'm pretty sure I was 20 years old when Audio Slave came out. It was like 2005. I didn't even... I don't even like Chris Cornell. I like that oh my first sound What?
0: I like that first Soundgarden record and then I don't really like anything after that. Even Super Unknown I don't like with what the whole and all that shit. I don't I don't really like it.
1: So you're talking about like ultra mega okay or Bad Motorfinger? Not not a fan. What's the Soundgarden record that you like that you're talking about?
0: The very first one.
1: Think, Jesus Christ pose and all oh, that. Oh, that's shit. Bad Motorfinger.
0: I like that I like that record. Everything after that I'm like, uh uh.
1: Well, that's really shocking information. All right, so we disagree about uh, uh audio slave, but your larger point was, I mean, yeah, you Rage against the Machine, you can't really put it much of against that. Like for what that was, that band was so amazing. It's explosive. You know how you make all the colors?
0: You know how you know how like when you print something? You know we like when you when you see a magazine or a book, like a beautiful mm-hmm. art book. Mm-hmm. All the colors in the art book are are made using CMYK, four colors cyan Mm -hmm. magenta whatever the fucking other color is and black those four colors and that's what rage against the machine was it was four colors that made all the colors yeah and then morello was like pick a color it doesn't matter yellow and then he's like i'm gonna go make a record with this yellow color and then it was like "Mm,
1: urine (laughs) why is for urine (laughs) Anyways, that that's common though, you know. Like, a band will be this really magical thing when they're together. You, I think you two's like that. Bono making a solo album, no, and I think he knows that, which is why he hasn't done that. But you've seen it when these guys go, you know, yeah. with Kiss. Mick look Jagger. at Kiss, look, Mick Jagger. Although I I think Keith Richards' solo album, Main Offender, is sick. But look at Kiss, you know, to try to save their band, they all made a solo record. There's maybe two songs on every one of those records that would have been a great Kiss record, but all of them were missing the thing that they have when they're together. And I mean, you know, they're... even even solo Beatles, dude. I mean, I think Imagine is up there. All things must pass is up there. A couple of McCartney records, his first couple are up there. None of them touch what the Beatles what they were when they were together. The Beatles together
0: were a force, but the Beatles together as a force was just McCartney Lennon. Those two together were the Beatles. I mean, let's face it, Ringo and Harrison weren't weren't contributing that much to that band. Well, I I disagree with that. Well, I don't, and uh, <laughs> and I think Lennon and McCartney both had an albums worth of songs post Beatles that are f- spectacular. B- with between wings and solo stuff. McCartney has some great songs, and, and so did Lennon.
1: Yeah, well, John Lennon had Imagine. Imagine's probably his greatest song. I mean, a McCartney, je- Jealous Guy and Working yeah, Class yeah. Hero. I mean, he had some beautiful songs. Uh, Watching the Wheels. Incredible. Yeah, those are all songs. fine, just like starting over. I mean, we could name 15 of them, but none of them are better than Beatles songs. And McCartney had Maybe I'm Amazed and Live and Let Die and Junk. Any of those better than Beatles? Any of those better than eleanor rigby i don't know i don't think so they had a power together
0: they're not better than i mean the beatles like that music you can't get better than it's different and it's it's a different time in their in their life like i mean imagine is a beautiful like if if, if imagine would come out on a beatles record it'd be one of their top songs but absolutely it came out a little later and it but, I mean, Live and Let Die, if that would have come out on a Beatles album, that would have been one of the Beatles' best songs. Absolutely. I mean, it was such a great... And, and that song, Live and Let Die, was made specifically to play in arenas. When you hear that song in an arena, when I saw Paul McCartney live in an arena, and he played that song, guess what happened? All of, all of the poop and all of the stuff at the bottom of my body fell on the floor and then i was like oh i'm empty now because it all just fell out on the floor
1: it was a bond song he wrote it for a bond film
0: i know but he also was playing stadiums and he needed material to play in stadiums and that's what happened he wrote that
1: i I prefer the guns N' roses version
0: well talk about a band that was incredible guns N' roses that first album appetite for destruction was so fucking good yeah when that came out i bought this the cassette and i would just look at that artwork and i would play that and that would just give me i was like scared i was so scared of that band they just seemed so real like these dudes are shooting drugs into their body you don't even see one dude's face you don't even see his fucking face dude you just see part of his nose and then hair and then the fucking devil hat. He's wearing the hat of the He stole the fucking hat from Satan. And he put that on his head. And he ain't wearing a shirt. Is he wearing a shirt? No. It's just hair, Satan's hat, part of his nose. And then you got fucking Axl Rose just straight up wearing a blood handkerchief. Like from the bloods from the L.A. gang. Dude, how, many, how much heroin do you have to shoot into your dick before you can get up the fucking courage to wear a goddamn gang bandana
1: well if you do enough drugs intelligence doesn't really factor in you're just fucked up and then he had that voice that sounded like a siren i got to talk to mick wall about metallica shit on the other podcast and we talked a lot about guns he's written a couple of books about guns and he talked about that too. We were both just like, man, it was so scary. And he was like, dude, I showed up before that first record even broke. I was cover. I was doing a story with Slash. He's like, I met him outside of like, you know, the Chateau Marmont in L.A. And the first thing he told me was that he'd just done a fucking speedball. He was on heroin. He didn't know. He, he was like on black tar heroin, and didn't know if he could get through the interview. He was like, this is when they had nothing. You know. Dude. And, and he was like, he said Slash would literally walk around LA like with a leather jacket, no shirt on with a bottle of Jack, just like in that photo shoot. Cause another thing about that photo shoot you're talking about, Slash is like sitting with his knees up and he's looks super fucked up and he's got a bottle of Jack in between his legs. And he's like, that was real. That was like really who they were. And what's crazy about them is that all came through the music. They somehow got all of that swagger and all the realness of how they were actually living. It all came through on the record. That's, that's an accomplishment. Because they could have been those guys, but made a real clean, you know, a real polished present. Like, hey, well, we're going to make a record. So Geffen's going to give us a million dollars. Well, let's make it good. Let's, like, record it when we're sober and make sure the art looks good. They're like, no. Everything about who they really were came through, and that's why it was so successful.
0: Fucking welcome to the jungle. Dude, when I heard welcome to the jungle on the radio, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it was so out of nowhere and so scary oh it yeah. was just I, and dude nothing makes me i i no, no kind of music do i love more than music that makes me scared like when i hear something and i don't know what it is count me in if i hear something and i know exactly what it is which is most music and then people are like oh you got to hear this and i'm like yeah that's a song who gives a fuck i don't give a fuck you want a song here? Here's 2000 of them. Help yourself, you dumb motherfucker. But when I hear something that sounds like they fucking just went into the fucking insane asylum and fucking pressed record, holy shit, dude. There was a band like that from Dallas called Trippin' Daisy. Do you know that band? I think you've told they me be- about them. They became the polyphonic spree. Okay, But before before Polyphonic Spree, they were Trip and Daisy. And first of all, the name Trip and Daisy implies that they're fucking on LSD, which they seemed like they were. Mm-hmm. They were a four-piece psychedelic band. Their Their name of the record was I'm an Elastic Firecracker. I'm an Electric Firecracker. And it was just a dude covered in red paint, like an old guy. Just scary, weird shit. And they would play, and they would project all this psychedelic shit on stage when they were playing. And I used to go see those guys and I would just get goosebumps because it was so scary and weird. And, and the guitar player died from heroin overdose. And I was like, okay, makes sense. Then they became polyphonic spree.
1: Other bands that fit into that, that hearken to me would be like, especially another Texas band called the butthole surfers. Uh, Flaming lips are kind of that. They're like art. art, Their their bands themselves are like art projects. You know, it's almost like performance art.
0: Well, that's that's what Austin was when I got here in eighty nine. That's what Austin was, dude. I used to go down to Sixth Street and they had all these clubs that are all gone. And you would just you would look in the Chronicle and just look for the most fucked up names. There wasn't YouTube. You couldn't pre check out anything. None of these bands had records. You just find find a weird name agony column uh fucking ed hall fucking uh retarded elf what were the names of some of the clubs cannibal club black cat uh club foot liberty lunch there's just all the i mean and you would just you would just take a chance and go down and and you never know what you were gonna get the fucking hickoids which were this like country speed punk band and you would just that was all it was just all people mosh pitting the whole time but it was country or there was a band called um god damn it they would dress up like in those old-timey like will rogers costumes like silk cowboy suits with 10 gallon hats like your sucker suits or something no like you know like the old will rogers roy rogers you know like you'd see in a 50s cowboy movie okay and you know with tassels and everything and then they would go show up at a club and they would be playing country songs but just straight up reggae so i'm so lonesome i could die but reggae and then smoking the best weed you could possibly find is that
1: outside of california is that what joe rockhead was was joe rockhead kind of one of those bands no joe rockhead was kind of sucked i mean we sucked we weren't we weren't very good
0: uh we were we were basically we were trying to be the we were trying to be a cross between the chili peppers and uh god damn it what was that band that was real big that i was trying to look like the lead singer of rusted Root or something no mike who is
1: mr mr Bungle? bungle
0: Yeah, what was their... Faith Mike No More. Yeah, Patton. so it was like... We were like trying to be a combination of Faith No More and Red Hot Chili Peppers, but... That's funny. The band... We weren't good. We didn't have any good songs. We had a lot of energy. I had a lot of energy. We were able to amass quite a bit of a crowd because we played music that you could dance to. And so we got away with a bunch of bullshit. But it wasn't very good.
1: Well, what was the difference between Joe Rockhead and Ugly Americans?
0: The Ugly Americans were sort of a Almond Brothersy sort of jam band <laughs> that I got into when I was like at the height of my drinking. So I liked that band because I could be drunk the entire time. So Joe Rocket broke up in 93, and between 93 and 95, I got sober in 95. I was drunk for two years. Like I never got sober for two years. Like I'd just get up in the morning and start drinking and most of those shows i don't even remember playing them and then when i got sober in 95 i was like what's this band i'm playing in ugly americans oh these guys fucking this it didn't suck the the musicians were great it just it sounded like the almond brothers if you like the almond brothers you'd like that band i don't like the almond brothers (laughs) i don't fucking like southern fucking jam rock that shit sucks
1: i do like that putting that vulcan death grip on me song though it's pretty funny anyways it's
0: it's 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 a it's a half of a song it's a part of a song that had a little great little guitar hook that scrappy scrappy judd newcomb came
1: up with but that song in that video reminds me of blind melon no rain right because it was shot in a field we kind of look like blind melon (laughs) (laughs) i mean i
0: i would love you guys are looking good i would love to look that good
1: dude i looked fucking you guys are looking good you guys are looking fucking tight and right yeah it's it's funny to see all of you like that yeah that's funny dude
0: but yeah that band that i mean it just wasn't my cup of tea so when i got sober i immediately started the scabs which was more my thing which is more arty and very eclectic but even that eventually kind of became just a dance band because we were just making so much money playing party music in Austin. And then that eventually led me to do a solo thing so I could play more of the introspective stuff.
1: Just got an interesting email about uh, one of your vinyl records that I want to read. This literally just came in. Clint at gmail.com from Chris Messer. He says, Bob, I just got a chance to listen to my vinyl of I'm Good Now tonight for the first time since buying it a couple of weeks ago, and I noticed a couple of extra verses at the beginning of Come On Baby. He says, I've heard these extra verses before on the alternate version you provided in the mini vault, as well as the October 2018 Song Club release, but that version is very different from the version that appears on I'm Good Now. The version that appears on the vinyl sounds just like the version on the CD digital copy, but includes the extra verse at the beginning. Just wondering... If you could provide some insight as to why this version was put on the vinyl and didn't appear on the other formats of the album, what was the reason for cutting and or adding these lyrics in the song? Thank you, Chris
0: Messer. That's a good co- question. One which I'm assuming the answer, because I've been watching a lot of Perot, which is a BBC show from the 90s about Hercule Perot, Agatha Christie's famous Belgian detective. <laughs> But now that I've been watching that I can figure out most mysteries just by hearing a little bit
1: of information. Do you like mystery shit. I, you like a good detective mystery That thing?
0: fucking Hercule that Perot show <laughs> is my one of my favorite shows of all time.
1: I'd love imagining you like I can cuz I've been in your living room I don't know 7000 times. I can see you in there. I can even see you on the edge of your seat as a mystery is unfolding. Like maybe it's the end of an episode and like a mystery the codes getting cracked and I can see when the credits roll you going Oh, no, it's no.
0: That's not why I watch that's dude. That's not why I watch Perot. I watch Perot because the actor that plays him is one of the finest actors of all time, and he is so hilarious as Perot. I just love watching him act, it's so comforting and nice. And he figures everything out, he figures it out, dude. Oh, there's a mystery. There's a murder. Know that whoever committed the foul deed is going to go. He's going to be caught by Perot.
1: And that's why you like House too. You you like things. No, I'm starting. I'm I'm starting to figure this out. I like
0: House because I like. I love that character. I love the way he is. That guy plays that character
1: but you i think you i believe you also like the illusion of order presented in these television shows like per- perco or whatever the fuck and sherlock holmes and yeah. house because there's a problem there's a problem and it gets solved, it gets solved yeah. and it gets solved i love
0: it i love that because life is a problem that never gets solved
1: can't get solved. not can't, can't get solved it
0: don't get solved dude and so i like having a little moment in my day where something gets fucking solved by somebody cool that i like <laughs> It's nice, dude. It's, it's like nice. it's like having a cup of hot cocoa.
1: It is. It's just really dawning on me how nice it is. What a it's nice a rel-
0: thing! It's a relief from the real world. That's why I love the Great British Baking Show.
1: Let's answer this question about the mysterious verses on "Come On Baby." What What's going on with that? What, is this a different recording or what? Yes,
0: I think what it, what ended up happening was I think on the CD we probably there was probably an edit that was made to shorten it a little bit maybe for a video or something. And that's what ended up on the CD. That's probably what ended up on the streaming services. Now when it came time to make the vinyl, I had the masters on my computer, but they were probably the unedited masters and that's why it ended up on there. Now what's funny is that I didn't realize that that Come On Baby had the extra verse because I really had to shorten uh, "Getting Better," which was a really long song on the CD. I had to shorten it by about two minutes. Wow! So I mean, I, I I did an edit where I made it a lot shorter so we could fit it on the album. Wow! Because you can only you can only put about twenty two to twenty three
1: minutes per side per on an side. Album. Anything so, more than that, it gets. And you sketchy. were wanting to avoid having to put have two discs. Two two pieces of vinyl, and I'm definitely didn't
0: want two discs. And I think we left one. We may have, We may have left one song off the record. I wow,
1: guess. which song?
0: I think we might have left maybe Medicine off the record. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Well, that was a pretty good answer. I mean, I think you answered the question. Um, what are the songs we always play from that album? We play I'm Good Now a lot. We would play Piggyback sometimes, which I always love. Was one of Get, my favorites. Getting Better, Cap- Captain Kirk. Man, you had some great songs on that album. Getting Better is a great song. How did you cut two minutes off of it? You just cut verses? No, there's a
0: bunch of vamping at the end that I got rid of. Okay. So the songs that we play a lot are I'm Good Now, Captain Kirk. um, Maybe Way Life's Supposed to Be.
1: Um, I don't think I've ever played that one.
0: And then definitely Gold in the Sunset.
1: Gets oh, Gold in the Sunset. Yeah. Shit, that's a great song too. But
0: then the other ones, like "Come with Me Tonight," I played for years, but don't necessarily play it that often. "God Is My Friend," I rarely play. "Long Way to Get," I don't play very often. "Love Is Everywhere," I play a lot on solo shows, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but but very rarely with the band. And then "Medicine" is my least favorite track on the record. The reason "Medicine" went on the record is because when we went in to record the record, I. I gave the record company a bunch of songs and i said you pick out that you pick out whatever you think the hit is or the single is and we'll put that on the record no matter what and they picked out medicine and that's what we ended
1: up putting on the record is <laughs> further proving that those people most of the time do not know what they're talking about when it comes to that sort of thing
0: well they they might know what a good single might be even more so than the writer like i don't know i don't think i'm a good judge of what a good single is because my criteria is always lyrics like my best lyrics i think are my best songs but people don't really care that much about lyrics and there are other songs like honeypot was the single off of uh, perfect day i'm that crazy about that song because i don't think the, I, the lyrics are okay but it's not my favorite.
1: What's your favorite song lyrically on perfect day?
0: Uh, probably everything you love,
1: which is the chorus
0: is God will destroy everything you love. If you live long enough, mm-hmm. but I just like the lyrics cause they're very personal. It was a beautiful day. The sky was blue. When I said I did, you said you did too about being married. We were not alone. That much is true. And on that day I did. And on that day, I did love you and I I wanted to be with you. And I, I did want it to last forever. And God will destroy everything you love if you live long enough.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty heavy shit. Yeah, it's good. I like very it a po- lot. Very poetic. I don't think people get all that meaning out of it. And then the last verse is me like holding my son's hand and feeling and being okay, which you know now what that is. Absolutely. You know? life's chaotic and crazy and weird, but there's something about you when you have a kid and your only job at a certain point, at certain points is just to make sure that your kid's okay. And that's a job that you can actually do in the moment. And in that moment, you feel pretty good because you're with the thing you love the most and you're taking care of it. And you're not yeah. worried about you or your fucking demise or the fucking world or how cruel and unjust and stupid everything is.
1: It's you know, it's my favorite thing in the world to hold my daughter's hand for sure. Do you know what we're doing right now? I'm getting a little cryy. No, we're fucking lounging, dude. <laughs> I'm lounging,
0: could we even thank God. could we even have broached this subject if we weren't both in a complete. And 100 percent lounge. Dude, we're lounged up. Dude, when we're lounged up like this, I could literally, this podcast could be eight hours long. Oof. <laughs> Dude, what if we do a marathon? Should we just do one fucking crazy? Should we do one crazy marathon? You tell us. Write us. Where do, where where do people write us at? Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Write us in and tell us tell us yay or nay should we how long fucking i don't know i don't know you tell us tell us how long you want because we'll get lounged up dude once we're lounged up as long as we've got some snacks some drinks
1: uh colostomy bag
0: i mean i've I've got a (laughs) a i've got a boss i've got a boss just a few feet from me that i pee into on the (laughs) rag
1: all right well listen we gotta go let us know bob and clinton gmail.com go support the show support support the goddamn show you know what to do support the people who make the things that you love we're gonna kick it now to the secret weekly if you want access to the secret weekly you can get it on the app of your choice now little bonus five to sometimes 20 minute episodes of things we can't say on the real shit and uh we hope you're all well out there we'll see you on the (laughs) flippity floppity bye bye (laughs)